Hey guys, in this episode of Trent Talks, I sit down with my cousin Seth Silvers. He's the owner of Storyon, uh, website storyon.co. They focus on small businesses and helping them be able to accurately tell their story and what differentiates them. The reason I brought Seth on is Seth and I have a ton of discussions personally between the two of us over the phone about marketing, branding, storytelling. And I just really thought it would be cool to let you guys kind of sit as a fly on the wall and be able to hear some of the behind the scenes conversations we have. So I'm gonna go ahead and uh, hop right in. Hey, what's up, ladies and gentlemen? We are live again with Trent Talks. Today we're with Seth Silvers. I wanted to have him on here because Seth really specializes in telling stories through marketing. Um, he works with with businesses to help them be able to kind of get the back, find out in their background and in the backside of their business what what is what's going for? What helps them differentiate and how they can tell that story to their potential customers and clients, whether it's about their product or service to help them stand out in a market that obviously we all know is super noisy at times. So uh, Seth, welcome. It's awesome to have on your man's fun. Thank you. Yeah, it's exciting. It's been fun to see the first few episodes of Trent Talks and um, always happy to talk with you and to talk just about marketing and storytelling. So it should be fun. Well, you know, I just figured it. We, you and I do this all the time on the phone anyway. So this would be a nice time. Yeah, we might as well. Uh, yeah, we might as well get on and let everybody else hear the middle of our conversations at times. But um, <laughs> True. so let me ask you this, man. I know um, a little bit, but I'll let you tell this story to others. So what got you in a little bit to marketing first and then got you, what got you into focusing specifically on the act of storytelling as it pertains to marketing? Yeah, good question. Um, so marketing, I think I was a part of kind of being a part of starting a, and being a, kind of a part of the groundwork of a few different nonprofits at a really young age. And so I think that that showed me like pretty early on that I kind of had a knack for like building things and really like a fascination for um, just, I guess, like messages and how messages resonated with people. Right. Um, and so as that developed, I realized that one of the things that brought people together was stories. And the first organizations I was a part of, um, we were putting on events every couple months with a bunch of people from different faith backgrounds and different church backgrounds. And all of these people had different beliefs and all of these different things. And so what we realized would bring people together was if we were not trying to like figure out how we could get everybody to believe the same exact things, but rather if we could give people a singular story um, to re- that everybody could rally around. And so that was right. when I was 16, when I really realized like, okay, this is what's bringing people together is having a story that we can all get behind. Um, going in, I didn't really know that all of that was called marketing until my last semester of college when um, I only needed to take like two classes, but I needed 12 credits to keep my scholarship. <laughs> and so I just had to like take extra classes Yeah, yeah. and I had taken business and communication classes. Um, but I decided I was like, well, there's, why, why not take a marketing class? And when I was taking that class, all of the, I felt like it was putting language to how I like thought and stuff. And so the, it was just like, it was one of the easiest classes I ever took, not necessarily because it was easy, but because it was just natural. Um, and so that was really when I began to see that, uh, marketing and kind of just like how to get a message in front of people and how to grow things really was natural. And then I kind of started becoming more familiar and being, becoming like a habit of, it became a habit of mine to study marketing. 
Um, I ended up becoming the marketing director for a nonprofit shortly after. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was kind of when things, I guess, like formalized from like, I just like skills that felt natural to, okay, yeah. this is what this stuff is called. Um, and then it was, a, it was like five years ago when I really kind of, when I started my own venture of helping businesses market with stories. And that was pretty much rooted out of seeing that consumers were buying based off of stories, but businesses right. weren't marketing they weren't like marketing with stories. And so businesses were continuing to just like talk about all the features of their products when people were wanting to know, like, does this company actually care about people and about the planet and about giving back and things like mm-hmm. that. And so there was this, this gap between why people were buying and how people were marketing. And then you started, uh, how, and how long ago did you start story on? It was four years, four years ago. Yeah, four years ago, like four years ago, about this time, I went to the organization that I was working with and pretty much said, I, this is what I'm doing, but I want to transition out well. And so I ended up like working part time for them for another couple months. But this was kind of unofficially when I really started working on it. And for about six months was kind of building the foundation and working behind the scenes and getting things built. But um, yeah, almost four years now. Wow. Time flies. It does. <laughs> I remember when you started that too. <laughs> it seems yeah. Like I can't, wow. I can't believe it. It's really crazy when I like, it doesn't feel like long at all, but then when I hear somebody else has been doing something for four years, it's like, Oh, that's quite a bit of time. <laughs> all right. So let me ask you, man, why specifically stories? Because a lot of people will use, okay. Cause you could have said the same thing. Like, for example, you know, I want to, I, I want to help people with marketing. I want to help them communicate better. I want to help them, excuse me. I want to help them be able to, I'm trying to not use the word story here. (laughs) That's all right. But when did, I guess a better way to say it's not why stories. When did it click in your head that the key was stories? Yeah, that's a good question. So I was, I was watching the Super Bowl. um, Probably this is probably 2012, 2011. All I remember was the Patriots were in it. So it could have been any of the last, Fifteen years, <laughs> yeah, even uh, but either way, I was because the Patriots were in it. I was more excited to watch the commercials than the football game, and uh, Hater. I remember kind of like thinking that okay, this is like when we get to see the best of the best in stories. Like you know, these ad, these huge companies, they're spending half a million dollars to produce a thirty-second spot. Surely this should be great, and. Like many of us with Super Bowl anticipation, I was underwhelmed. And I remember asking myself the question, what would happen if instead of just like coming up with clever ways to show their product, what if these companies spent this money telling the stories of the lives that they impacted? And it was interesting because I didn't, I, I honestly didn't know in my mind, like, would that work? I didn't know what it would do. Um, I didn't know if it would help increase their bottom line or if it would plummet it or if people would be really mad or not. I had no idea, but that question plagued me for about like two years. And I just was constantly, it it was like, I just had this like heightened awareness to watch, um, when businesses were positioning storytelling as their first foot forward and kind of watching what happened. And, um, what I began to see and at the same time, kind of just, it was like a good I think paths converged of like, while I was wondering this research started coming out to actually show that 
90% of people will pick one brand over another when that brand is more connected to a story or more right. connected to a social cause. When you can so like it, the whole being behind it. Right. So I was kind of beginning to wonder, like, I think that brands should be doing more storytelling and not just like once a year, but I think that stories should be a part of their marketing and a part mm -hmm. of their strategies. Um, and I was beginning to think that, and then I was beginning to now see that the research and the data was actually supporting that and it was beginning to show it. And that was, that was kind of when for me, I realized like, okay, this isn't just an idea that I have, like, this is actually, this is a real thing. Um, and there's a lot of incredible brands doing incredible work. And yeah. honestly, like I wanted to help those people to understand, like be getting these stories out there because they'll change people and they'll change your business. Well, I've seen a huge transition. It's funny that you mentioned the Super Bowl because one of the things that stood out to me this year, um, and, and, and I, I'm, I'm kind of following to see how these, these uh, companies do first quarter here to see what the numbers look like. But you saw a, a noted difference between the commercials of, the, of a lot of different companies. Mm -hmm. You had, I think, of, I think it was Hyundai. They had the one where you're going down and they had, um, you know, you're going on all the, the levels of torture, I think it was. And one's a dentist and then the other one, oh, you're buying a car. And then, you know, Hyundai went to the top floor. And then you had the Pepsi commercial with the old car or however you do that. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you. What was that again? I'm here all day. Um, <laughs> but then you also had uh, Verizon, who went into their hero telling stories, right? Where they talked about the first responders and a couple of different instances that actually um, uh, that actually saved these people's lives, and they were going back telling the whole story and the whole connection about it. Um, so I'm really right. curious to see how that plays out end of first quarter, but it is interesting that you're talking about that. And yet we're, we're seeing kind of a blend between two different perspectives right now in what we, you know, everybody looks at the uh, Super Bowl, like you said, being some of the best of the mm -hmm. best commercial wise. Yeah. And I do think like, so Verizon's a good example um, because like and there's nothing. To that, also yeah. T-Mobile lately. T-Mobile yeah. has had a ton of family and, and it's, it almost feels like I, they saw Verizon doing it and said, ooh, I like that. Let me jump on it. They right. might, maybe it's not quite the case, but they've had a lot of the family stories as well. Right. And it, it's interesting because like there's nothing, there's nothing special. Like there's nothing in this phone that actually gives me – sorry, I showed the Apple. Oh, no. Ac accidental no. product placement. Um, <laughs> Apple, if you see this, all kinds of free promo stuff. Yeah. We love it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> this is not bad. <laughs> Um, but, uh, like there's nothing, there's not a good story about like the, in the phone in and of itself, that is not a story. Um, but when you start to look at what that phone enables me to do, yeah, then there's a million stories. And so that's when you see the first responders and when you see all these amazing stories. And I think there's a lot of businesses that they don't think that they have many stories to tell or to market with because, you know, they're not a chiropractor who has like a direct connection with, with their patient or, you know, they're not a health coach or something. Right. But in reality, like if you're selling homes or if you're selling internet service or phone service or something like what your product enables people to do, hopefully it enables them to like live yeah. more of their best life. And so then in a sense, like they can't do that without your product. And that's the story worth telling. So I think that they're doing a really good job on the Coke side. Um, I mean, they've always, 
Coke has actually done a pretty good job of s- stories, but I feel like overall, um, they're still in these huge brands. They're still just trying to interrupt. It's still like, there's a ton of brands and Seth Godin talks about this a lot with like the interruption based marketing versus permission marketing. Um, a lot of brands are still stuck in just trying to like interrupt people. And I've been at trade shows. I've been at conferences. I've been sponsors at conferences with clients of mine. And you have this feeling of like, surely there's got to be a better way to reach these people here that we know would engage with our product than just standing in a hallway, hoping that our banner is catchier than other people's so that while they're walking to the bathroom or to lunch, which they want to go there, they stop and maybe we'll have a conversation they don't want to have. Like interrupt, trying to interrupt people into business sucks and it gets exhausting and it gets overwhelming. But if we start telling more stories, then we're really telling a story and giving somebody an opportunity to um, like pretty much choose whether or not like, man, that sounds like something I want or sounds like something I don't. And it kind of like segments your audience. So I think some brands are getting it, but a lot of brands, especially at the level that the ones that are advertising on the Super Bowl, it's still just about like trying to be trying to interrupt people and trying to get as much attention as possible, which just doesn't last. Well, the thing that, that I find interesting and, and we talk about is they're like kind of the dichotomy of brand recognition versus building brand quality of the brand story. Yeah. You know, cause like, well, you know, like we're talking about here, even, um, uh, Toyota, they had the commercial about the new Supra, right. Uh-huh. And, and not to focus on commercials, we'll get off in just a second, but it's just, it's something that's easy to address that way. But they had right. the story of the new the commercial with the new Supra. And they, they make this whole thing about how it's you're living an exciting life and they try and sell it that way. It's an exciting life. It's experiential. It's versus, hey, it's just really fast. Or, hey, it's like I don't honestly couldn't tell you right now anything about the specs on it. Mm-hmm. But I love the commercial and I love the car. Granted, I, right. I have a little Fast and Furious throwback where you had the Supra there. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> but the other thing I look at with them with Pepsi is they did the, the it was more of a brand awareness them trying to understand that, you know, the, is Coke okay? Is Pepsi or is Pepsi okay? Mm-hmm. Versus what do you mean? Is Pepsi okay? We're every bit as good, if not better than Coke. It was like a brand awareness thing instead of a brand development or like creating a brand story. Right. And I think that that's what you're talking about where it's like, yeah, everybody still focuses on, let me just get everyone. I want everyone to think of me versus right. what we really want is we want people, we want to control the narrative of what they think when they think of me. Right. And best case scenario is that you can do both. Like there's a lot of value in that brand awareness. And especially with these companies that have reach across the country mm-hmm. to where like people know their name, they do need to stay top of mind. But then the question is like, when people become aware of you and when you are top of mind, what are people thinking of? Um, are they just thinking of a bunch of catchy commercials or is that catchy commercial causing them to remember a story? causing them to remember something that has substance and yeah. stuff. So best case scenario is you can hit it from both directions. Um, and have, But a lot of people are just hitting it from a brand awareness perspective and they're expecting the same results that they would get from like a brand loyalty when commercials don't really build loyalty. Like stories and true connection is like what builds loyalty. All right. So I'm going to I'm gonna change direction on you here. Please. I didn't, I didn't prep this on you at all, just for those out there. So if we catch him in a little thinking spot, that's kind of the plan part here. What do you see as the difference in storytelling and, and using that in marketing for brick and mortars versus online? 
That's a great question. Um, I think it's, I think it's more natural, like it's more natural to see the applications of storytelling online because we're consuming content every day. So it's pretty easy to think about like, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's YouTube videos or Facebook live videos like this or a podcast or, um, you know, creating the word out. Yeah. It's easier to do that. Um, brick and mortar is, I, I think that brick and mortar it's definitely still possible. Um, I think that the opportunities for storytelling with brick and mortar, I think in your signage, like in your, if you have signs and things around, like I've worked with people where yeah. um, they have little table toppers that are at the table of every single, you know, at their restaurant. And so we worked with them to like take some of the stories behind the quality of their food and how their food was made. And rather than just having like random little table toppers, um, have an yeah. opportunity for people to actually see that there's some depth in story behind that. So I think whatever like physical signage or communications you have in the store, that's definitely an opportunity. Um, because you, you know, once you, if you have little flyers with your story or customer stories on it, you know, you can put those in bags with your products. You can, um, put yeah. those throughout the store and stuff. So I do think that there, it takes some more creative thinking, um, I also, I do think that like customer service is huge in this. Um, I think that every salesperson or customer service person should have 10 to 15 like stories that they are trained to know in the back of their head so that when they're interacting with a customer or a potential customer, they can quickly and easily search through that like arsenal of stories in their head and be able to share a story of how of some how someone else like the person they were talking to engaged or used okay. that service or used that company. So I think just like everybody in your company should know your best stories so that those can begin to like just infiltrate yeah. basic customer service conversations. Or if they're helping guests, then they can say like, well, you know, like somebody else came in the other day or last month that actually was in a really similar spot to you. And um so I think that I would say customer service and signage. And then I would also say, I would hope most people are doing this, but not everybody is yet, but directing any like attention you have in the store to an email list um, and initially outside of the store. And that's right. a huge opportunity to be like connecting via stories and continuing to market with stories. And to expand on that, I think one thing that people forget at times is like, like you mentioned, if they do go to an email list, their email list strictly becomes, Hey, let me use my email list to send out flyers and coupons. Right. Which let me send out, Hey, we have this yeah. promo coming up, this, that we have this uh, major sale coming up, use this coupon, print it out, bring it in the store and sure. Great. That can help drive business. But I think from a loyalty perspective, like you're talking about with the email, it would be much better to continue to tell your story through emails and make that personal connection with people bringing right. them back into your restaurant store business, whatever. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you're, you're right on there. So I'm a, this is, this is one that I struggle with. I'll admit this storytelling as it comes to, let's say you are in errands. You guys have errands out in Colorado. We don't wait. Okay. Is that the, like, is that like a hardware store or something? Yeah. It's like kind of errands. They do like a, fridge uh, like lease to own right like lease yeah. to own fridges and washer and dryer stuff like that like so when you look at that kind of thing that's where i'm going to struggle and and, and I've, I've worked with them before and you get there and, and it, but it takes a little more digging in that perspective and i think that it starts to lean itself to the customer service angle you're talking about of how do you right. transition like 
something that is strictly a like price-based commodity mm-hmm. into a uh, emotional or connecting story. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think those are some of the toughest ones and like those are some of the toughest companies to really figure out how to do this. I think that I would approach it really from like a loyalty perspective because a lot of those companies are so focused on like prices and, you know, you walk in and there's like, you see prices and deals everywhere. Um, if, if the only reason I am buying something from you is because it was cheaper than your competitor, right? I have no loyalty to you. I just happened to buy yours because I was price hunting. So somebody at some point is going to come and sell it to me for cheaper. Or if it was like that last widget or that last gimmick or that last piece of value, you know, that you, the bonus that you added in at the end that got me to close the sale. Those are really effective tools, but if that's the reason I'm buying from somebody, somebody else is going to offer another bonus. Um, but I can't argue with a brand's like story. I can't argue with a brand that has actually connected with me on a loyalty basis. And so I think that the caution to brick and mortar stores that are selling a ton of things and that you walk in, if it's a, if the first thing that people see is the prices, um, and you know all of your sales and your clearance items. If you're just trying to be cheaper than the other guy, eventually some other guy is going to be cheaper than you, and they're going to take your customers. And so I think with something like that, um, I you know I, it's hard to know exactly like what the strategies would be just off the cuff. But I, mean, I would I would think like, that it would uh, putting together a strategy that that helps you as far as like embracing giving back to the community. Yeah, like, like think, something like that. It seems yeah. like that would be the way that would be your best your best bet is to go into a, a direction that like that way. Right. I think thing yeah, I think things like that are helpful, but I think the biggest question is how are you like what are you doing to make to work your current customers, like people that are currently buying from you and regularly, what are you doing to make them feel connected to your brand? Are you sharing stories that make them feel included? that make you look like a trusted brand that make you look like a locally owned brand? Are you telling them, you know, are you communicating them with them in a way that makes them feel rushed out of there? All of those things are stories and include like connect with the story they're telling themselves. And so, yeah, I think, I think community is like community involvement is huge, but even like connecting your customers with that, like telling them that, you know, rather than, Hey, we're doing this as errands. You know, we, we gave this much money. It's, Hey, you did this like you, our customers, you gave to the community by supporting this local business, that subtle change in language there. It's a good point. Totally. It changes everything. It allows the customer to have ownership of what that organization is then doing in the community. Right. And it makes, it makes the customer, the hero of the the store's story, as opposed to the store trying to be the hero of the, of the customers um, and stuff. So I think even little language like that of showing like, you know, you like, here's the things we're able to do as a company because Mm -hmm. of you. Like, so you guys are really, you're, you're making that this impact is yours. Now I'm interested to hear because, you know, obviously you're, you will pretty much what you're doing day in and day out is working with businesses to help them create this, to communicate it, to be able to effectively like manage the story that they get to their customers. Right. Um, so with that, what, what's your perspective? What are your thoughts on automating a business versus 
keeping the story at the front and center. You get what I'm saying? Because the story keeps you in that personal, that, that personal one-to-one feel of a relationship and the dynamic there. The difficulty would seem that when you begin to automate aspects of your business, mm-hmm. now you're, you're creating, and you have to do it to scale, but you're naturally creating distance. Right. Um, I mean, I think it, it, I think most of these type of questions come back to really what you want as a business. Like, and I think being self-aware enough to know what you want and what it takes to get there. I agree. Some form of automation is just a healthy transition in any business. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the thing there is honesty. The thing that like smells disgusting is when people fake uh, they fake automation for like actually being personally there. So I think not like mm. pretending like you're responding to every single person that you can on Twitter. If you're not actually like, don't pretend that you are. Cause that's a bot and then say it's you. Exactly. So I do think like, I think Instagram is like, Instagram is kind of being, I wouldn't say destroyed. It's being plagued right now by bots. Um, every single Although I am post- seeing a separation though. Like, and you've probably seen this too. I'm seeing a separation on the accounts of those people who are actually themselves authentically engaging versus mm-hmm. those who are using the bots, stuff like that. Right. And it's because people are having to like, yeah, it'll, people have to separate themselves and stuff. So I do see a separation, but like, um, I have, I will so fast, I will so fastly, uh, report somebody as spam because you can see on Instagram, you can tell when somebody's a bot, like you can tell when it's some just token comment or something. And so a lot of people are using Instagram bots, which aren't even legal to, um, initially like pretend like they are personally there to pretend like they're personally vested in your story when really they're just playing a numbers game. They're just trying to get you to go look at their profile so that because they know that one out of every hundred people that do will follow. And so I think that's a good example of like automation gone wrong where it's like, it's faked. And so I think the goal there is authenticity. Um, If people know that I'm automating parts of my business because I have aspirations to make an impact with my business and because I have aspirations to grow a business for healthy reasons, then in that case, people are going to understand, Oh, like to get to where Seth wants to go, he needs to automate some parts of his business and there's empathy there. But if I'm just pretending like I'm as personal as can be with every single client I have and like I Seth Silvers am doing all of the work when in reality I have a team doing a lot of the work and I'm not communicating why I'm doing that, then it's going to come across inauthentic and nobody's going to like what we're doing and nobody's going to support it. Well, I think that comes back to, and you and I have had this discussion before about altruism versus business. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you there's nothing wrong with being out to make money in business because that is what we're all here for. Everyone has their own bills, but I think it becomes when you're, you're storytelling, when you're, uh, I think Gary V says it's best. I love how he says it. If you're 51% altruistic, you're in a good place. Yeah. If you, if you are just a smidgen, just 1% more willing to, to give and help and, and actually be authentic. And, and it comes back to authentic being true to, what your beliefs are, what you got into business for. If you can at least stay 51% of, of what you do stays altruistic, then mm-hmm. you're going to be super successful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in that same light, like what he talks about in that same conversation is um, 
if you're giving, give unashamedly. But if you're asking, like, don't pretend like you're giving. Like, don't don't hide an ask within a give within when you're giving value. Um, if you're going to be giving value through an email campaign or through marketing or even just through doing something that like gives back to your customers or to your right. clients or to the community, then just give with all of your heart. But then if you're going to ask, um, don't be afraid to ask. And I think once people see, and it, it ties in with automation too, because like say I start emailing my email list once a month or once every few days or something, if I'm actually giving value and they see, oh, he's doing this every single week because he actually cares about giving us real value, right. then in that, they they understand like they're not going to be. Hopefully, they understand. They understand like he wants to help us out. Well, and if I'm more just asking, share with others. Yeah, exactly. If I'm just like asking day in and day out, or if I'm just emailing them, you know, it's really evident that I'm just trying to get as many emails out as I can to play the numbers game. Sure. Then it's not really going to come across well. So I think it really comes down to just being authentic in whatever you're doing, whether that's giving or whether that's like making an ask for a sale, being authentic and like fully present in that moment and not hesitating or being afraid to, to do either one. Well, I think that's, that's one of the big things. And I'll just use, you know, obviously this is episode four here. A lot of people don't know this. I had a couple audio interviews before we started the video part of this. I mean, you know, this background, mm -hmm. but one of the things that I thought was, was the coolest part of this is, you know, I've, yeah, I've been in marketing. I've done this since 2008. You know, I'm, I'm not, I don't consider myself anyone, just some, any big name or anyone huge in marketing. But the bottom line was I was able to approach people that bring tons of value to this and just simply say, look, you know, here's what I'm trying to do. No hidden agendas, no like me trying to act like I'm trying to help them and just say, look, I want to be able to give this to people. I want to be able to bring value to other people. You know, I'd be honored to have you on the show. And I was amazed that, and you know, like we said, we've had this conversation, but I was amazed at how the transparency and the mm -hmm. authenticity of like, hey, this is just what I want to do. And people are like, yeah, you know, I'd love to help. I'd love to be able to create something that brings people value. Yeah. I want to be a part of something that actually is as we use the, to use that word, it actually is altruistic in nature. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, all right. So I, I, you've been doing some speaking, so what's going on with story on where, where are you guys going? What's, what's coming in the near future for story on here? Yeah. Good question. Um, I think the last like nine months for us have been a lot of me digging up kind of the foundation of story on. Um, I just, situation in the last year where I kind of realized that I was, I had several contracts that were a little bit more, they felt like more freelance contracts and they were really good. And I was learning a lot of things and I was getting to provide really valuable work, but it just wasn't, it comes back to like knowing what you want. It just wasn't what I set out to do. Um, like I set out to build a business that can model what it looks like to run a impactful business, um, and stuff. And, and, I was doing great work, but it just wasn't, wasn't where it needed to be. And so, um, it really kind of caused me to go back to my roots and get rid of some clients and add some clients on that were new and kind of really realized that my passion with story on is to help small right. businesses market with stories and to help them understand how to tell stories well and how their stories can actually stand out. Mm -hmm. Um, but also to actually like, what do you do with those? Um, I've done a lot of work over the last four years where we've produced really good stories for people, whether it's emails or videos 
or a website copy or whatever it might be. Um, and then you hand that over and they don't really know what to do with it. And they shouldn't know what to do with it because they're not marketers. Um, they're business owners right. or practitioners or something. And so um, we really made the the big shift that Story On has made in the last nine months has been shifting towards we help you produce the stories, but we're also going to build the strategy and implement that for you. So you're so, helping them uh, flow through the distribution. Yeah. Yeah, the exactly. of that content. Yeah, exactly. So we, I mean, we pretty much, I looked back at the last four years of what's worked and what hasn't worked um, and put it into initially what in my experience is the best marketing plan for small businesses wanting to market with stories. I realize it won't work for everybody, but nothing does. And I know there's a lot of businesses out there that would consider themselves purpose-driven businesses that this will work really well for. Um, and so we call that plan, the success with stories blueprint. And it's a, that's kind of like the template of all of our work now. So anytime we meet with clients, um, the goal is initially to get them to be implementing the blueprint either on their own, where we're coaching them or where we're actually handling all of the execution on that blueprint. We're helping them to produce the stories. We're handling the public, like the optimization. We're handling actually publishing the stories online. Um, We talked about brick and mortar. The majority of what we're doing right now is online marketing and really helping brands to, um, helping brands to market with stories and kind of dominate online marketing through that. Okay. It's been great. Awesome, man. Um, It's been fun watching you. Uh, so how does someone wants to work with you? They want to talk to you about writing story about helping, having you guys help them create the story for the business, disseminate the product. How do they get in touch with you? Yeah, I would say, um, either on my, I would say Facebook or Instagram message is a great way to start and really easy. Um, then we can probably take that to a more appropriate channel, but what's your, um, what's your, uh, what's your Instagram handle? My Instagram handle is just Seth Silvers. Um, but yeah, if, if it's something that you want to hear more about, a lot of people are like Seth zero eight, six, (laughs) two, happy, lucky five. So it's just my name. Um, but yeah, just send me a message and we, and we can touch base. I, we have an application about, about you and your storytelling. Yeah. I know you have the podcast that you've uh, started a few months back. Yeah. So we just, yeah, we just launched a podcast called the small business storytellers, Um, and it's going really well. It's really fun. And the whole focus of the podcast is diving in and learning from stories of, uh, small businesses because 90% of businesses are really small and they'll never, um, you know, statistically they probably won't go over one or 2 million in revenue a year, um, which is still significant. And so, that the premise is kind of that we can learn a lot more from the businesses across the street and down the street, probably than we can from like learning from these huge multinational companies. So it's just diving into those stories. And um, we publish every week on Friday and you can find it by searching the small business storytellers on pretty much any platform. Boom. There it is. So awesome, bud. This has been a lot of fun, man. Um, cool. I know we'll have to do it again sometime in the near future. Sounds but great guys. Seth Silvers, his company story on, be sure to check out his podcast as well. Uh, small business storytellers and check him out on Instagram at Seth Silvers. So this is Trent, Thanks, Trent. guys. I'm Trent. You can find me at real Trent Evans on Instagram. Well, pretty much everywhere at real Trent Evans. And uh, until next time, guys have a good one. 
Hey guys, thank you for listening. I hope this really helped you. Uh, it means a lot to me to be able to try and help you guys, both personally and in business. I'm super excited that you're listening. Please take a minute and subscribe and leave a rating. It would mean the world to me, literally. I would love it and greatly appreciate it. Um, hit me up on social media, at Real Trent Evans on all platforms. Let me know what you think of the episode. Let me know you're following. Uh, just reach out to any questions you have. I would love to help you. I'd love to be able to be a part of your world and help in any way I can. I love you guys. Have a great day.